0: Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 118 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks, and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on October 31st, 2021. (sighs) What is easily... One of my least favorite days on the entire calendar is here. Halloween. (laughs) And I'm sorry to be a downer for those who like it, but I have always loathed Halloween. I just think it's all kinds of stupid, but hey, if you enjoy it, then go enjoy it. What do I care? (laughs) Just stay away from my door while I record here, all right? (laughs) Uh, How are you doing otherwise, my friends? Are you enjoying the World Series at least? Or... Are you too sad to enjoy it because you realize that means baseball is over in a few days? Because for me, it's always been both. (laughs) Because while I love and enjoy the World Series all the time, every year, it always just hits me like a train, that it also means that baseball is just mere days away from being gone, from my life, for four months, (laughs) and that always just... Leaves me really sad. But regardless, in any event, we've got the Astros and the Braves. And the Braves, I mean, what an incredible story they've been, especially without Ronald Acuna, one of their superstars. And they're up three games to one! As we head into Game 5 tonight in Atlanta! So, the World Series could even be over by tonight! But regardless, even if it were to go the full seven, before even next Sunday comes around, baseball will be gone. Regardless of how many games it goes, by the time I talk to you next Sunday, it's going to be the offseason for everybody, at which point I will fully embrace the misery of the baseball-less, cold, dark, dreary winter, as I do every year. What a happy, upbeat attitude today, huh? I just paint a lovely picture with words. I'm sorry, I just, just, guys, I just really hate this day, I really, really do. I just wish we could jump from October 30th straight to November 1st every year. So I'm just annoyed, my apologies, but this doesn't change the fact that we're going to have a blast of a show as always, alright? So enough depressing crap, let's get right into what we're going to talk about today, and I kind of spoiled it a bit last week, but whatever. The topic, shortstop, who do we all want to see? as the 2022 New York Yankees shortstop. We've mentioned it briefly the last couple of episodes. Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, all three of them, probably the best of the class, are going to be unrestricted free agents this winter. Or maybe others. Defensive stopgaps like Andrelton Simmons, while waiting on huge farm talents like Volpe especially, or even Peraza. Some people even talk about Marcus Semien, who's just coming off of a superstar season with the Blue Jays. It's a hot topic, and it's the one I definitely wanted to hit on right after hitting on what happened with the coaches and Aaron Boone. Now, obviously, it's the New York freaking Yankees we're talking about here, so many of us, many people in the fan base, would like for them to go for one of those big three guys in the shortstop class this winter, but who knows as of now what they're going to do for sure. So that's the main topic for today's off-season episode, but before we get into discussion about that, I've got to talk about the main thing that happened in Yankees news this past week as we prepare to head into awards season with 2021 baseball about to end. What is wrong with certain people who vote on awards, like Rawlings? What is wrong with them? And for the record, I don't even fully understand why I care as much as I do because it's been made painfully obvious over the years how much of a joke most awards are. But in case you didn't hear, Gold Glove finalists were announced this past week. Three players for each position, as usual. And somehow, some way, Aaron Judge, a top defender not only in his position in right field, but in the game at large, is not a gold glove finalist. Now, Judge did win the Fielding Bible Award, which acknowledges him as the best defensive right fielder in the game, which is a well-deserved honor given how unbelievably talented he is defensively. Some people forget how great of a defender he is as they watch him just mash offensively. But he is a terrific defender, as many of us already know, and people need to be reminded of that fact. But not good enough for Rawlings, evidently, for being a right-field gold glove finalist, which further proves how much of a joke that award continues to be. And this is just statistical fact, by the way. It's got nothing to do with bias. This is a no-bias podcast here. Always has been, always will be, and that's not going to change. Anyone who's listened at any point knows that. But how are you going to put someone like Hunter Renfro, who had 12 errors this year, zero DRS, defensive runs saved, and a negative UZR, ultimate zone rating, which in a lot of ways is similar to defensive runs saved, without getting too into advanced stats and giving people a pounding migraine. But in layman's terms, UZR covers a player's entire defensive performance, errors, range, outfield arm, you name it. And I'll be the first to tell you that having a negative UZR, those numbers aren't good. Beyond having a strong arm, there's no way possible that Renfro deserves this over Judge. Judge is better than all three of them, if you ask me. The three being Hunter Renfro, Kyle Tucker, and Joey Gallo. And Kyle Tucker and Joey Gallo should be finalists. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be finalists or that they should win, but they should be finalists. Even if Gallo played much of the second half with the Yankees in left field, but he's still a terrific right fielder for when he did play there, particularly in Texas. And Kyle Tucker is solid too. I don't have a problem with either of them being finalists. But Hunter Renfro should not be there. I gave you his stats. Now listen to those stats with Judge. Judge, 11 DRS, which is great. 3.4 UZR, which is really good. Higher than any of the others. And he only made three errors the whole year. In a year where, as we know, he stayed healthy and shut everyone up. So Rawlings continues to be a sham with this. This gold glove race. As another Yankee has been snubbed from not only another award, period, as has happened to a decent amount of Yankees for a while now, but also snubbed from even being a finalist for it. Over someone in Renfro who had many below-average defensive stats, and made quadruple the amount of errors that judge made. So that's just great. Fantastic. Terrific. Thanks for nothing, as always. And again, I don't even know why I care anymore, but when people don't do the right thing by someone, they deserve to be called out for it. Even a close friend of mine who's a Met fan, he was wondering why Marcus Stroman isn't a gold-glove finalist for a pitcher. And you know what? He's right. Why isn't Marcus Stroman a Gold Glove finalist? It's just silly. The whole thing sucks. Get your act together, Rawlings, and give people awards or even a finalist honor that they deserve to have. And that goes for everybody else in charge of the awards, too. I mean, come on. But you know something? Good on those involved with the Bible Award for giving that to Judge because he deserves it. He deserves any honor for being the elite right fielder he is. So thankfully, some competent people can recognize that. And good on Gallo, too, for being a Gold Glove finalist. Like I said, he deserves it, too. I just can't believe how they snubbed Judge. And Rawlings should be called out for it because it isn't right. It's not right. But anyways... I think I got that out of my system now. Let's get into our main discussion for today with this week's social media segment about who we want the 2022 Yankees shortstop to be. But first, a quick reminder as always to follow Ball9 on all social medias at Ball9, and to check out the website, of course, Ball9.com, and also to follow yours truly on all social medias, Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. And be sure to subscribe and show love on all the platforms that Yapping Yankees is available on, on YouTube. Be sure to leave a like down below in the video too if you're listening on there. And also on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Now, for the social media segment, as always, we'll start on Twitter, and then I'll read a couple over on Instagram, and then that'll be that for today, my friends. So, quite simply put, the question for this week—it was a poll for Twitter, at least, I'll explain what I mean by that later—was, who do you want to see as the Yankees shortstop in 2022? And I gave four choices on Twitter, and that's the reason why it wasn't really a poll over on Instagram just here, because usually for Instagram, whenever I have— a poll that has more than two choices, because the InstaStory polls only allow for two choices to be had, then I usually just combine them. But considering that these are individual names, I couldn't really do that over on Instagram, so I just kind of left it like an open response question over there. But for Twitter, it was a poll. And the four choices were Carlos Correa, Corey Seeger, Trevor Story, and the fourth one was any other that you might have in mind, and in which case, comment which one you have in mind. Now, of the four choices, 38% voted for the highest one, that one, and that one, which is probably going to be unpopular with some people, was Carlos Correa, and coming in second, only 1% behind him, so virtually a tie nearly, was Corey Seager, earning 37% of the vote and then it significantly dropped from there, coming in third with 14% of the vote was Trevor Story, and 11% voted for other, and in which case I assumed they commented. And although the Yankee fan base is obviously filled with millions of people all over the country, and even in some places around the world, there was still a lot of votes here, about 1,000 votes, so this is a pretty solid poll. I mean, it has pretty solid results and pretty solid data to it as far as people voting. So... A lot of people have spoken, and Carlos Correa, by only 1% over Corey Seeger, won the poll, earning 38% of the vote. Now, I'll tell you what I think. I gave a slight inkling as to what I believe, because I believe I tweeted about this a few weeks ago, but I'll basically add on to and expand upon my thoughts from what I said on Twitter, and I have plenty of time to do this and get to your replies. I'm going to read probably at least like 15 of them, because we have time. We just have this to talk about. This is the main topic for this off-season episode. And like I told you, off-season episodes, understandably so, are shorter than regular season episodes because obviously the team is not around anymore. (laughs) That applies for all content in sports. But anyways, we have plenty of time to get to all the replies and everybody's thoughts because of that. And I'll get to as many as I can. But first off, my thoughts on this is that it isn't easy. Quite frankly, I wouldn't have a problem with any of the three. Or maybe even another one, like Marcus Semien, whom plenty of others mentioned, because Semien's coming off of a remarkable season. Whether or not certain people think he can continue that into 2022 is another story, but it cannot be denied and cannot be debated that he had not only an all-star season in 2021, but just a season of a superstar. He was incredible. Guy had 45 home runs, 102 RBIs, 265 batting average, 334 on base, 538 slugging, and an 873 OPS. Not to mention he's a solid defender, and he only just turned 31 maybe a few weeks ago, I believe. And I assume he will get paid very handsomely because of the numbers he put up, but it could be argued that he might not draw as much as a Correa or a Seager or a Trevor Story So maybe you go with him, and I definitely understand why people would want to do that. Maybe you wouldn't have to sign him for as long as you would the other three either. So then maybe you sign Semyon for a year or two, and then you wait on Volpe and Peraza down in the minors, who should be ready mid to late 2023 maybe. Maybe you do that. If Semyon's willing to take maybe a two-year deal. Or maybe people expect the Yankees to go all in, get that superstar shortstop for a long term, like a Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, or Trevor Story, and I don't really see how you could have a massive problem with any of those three. They all have plenty of good things attached to them. And maybe that's the sort of thing they expect out of the Yankees. And you know what? I honestly can't disagree with that because I think it's time that the Yankees go all in on a position that they are in great need of and... Not to mention how important it is to be strong up the middle on any given baseball team. A great deal of championship teams have a strong duo going up the middle, at short and second. And I know a lot of people can argue that Glaber isn't really the strongest defender, and that he's not much better at second base, but I mean, we did see much better things at second from Glaber towards the end, which also resulted in him being a bit more comfortable at the plate. So if that carries over, and that is quite an if, you hope he has a bounce back year from the last two seasons, but... If he does, and you sign that superstar shortstop, you're looking pretty good up the middle, right? I mean, that's how I see it. So let's dissect each of them really quick. We'll start with Trevor Story. Now, just barely over the other two in Seager and Correa, Story is older. He's 28 years of age. Correa and Seager at the moment are both still 27. So Story's 28, he's got a solid bat. And as always with the Colorado Rockies, you have to look at the course Field splits, as they call it, because course Field is obviously on a very high elevation over there in Colorado. And some people, when they leave the Rockies, that elevation in course Field is not really existent anywhere else because no other stadium is at the elevation over sea level that course Field is. So it could be a concern for some people that if they leave a stadium with that much of an offensive advantage that helps carry the ball out of the park, unlike any other baseball stadium, that their numbers could take a hit anywhere else. And I guess it's a valid concern, but someone like DJ LeMayhew, who isn't really powered to begin with, not a power hitter, but his numbers at least the first two years on the Yankees, the course field effect really didn't seem to take effect, because he seemed unfazed. He came to Yankee Stadium and was terrific. Had a down year this year, of course, or maybe a year that reflects some of his prior seasons, but... We'll see what happens. I mean, for a great deal of the season, we saw he was dealing with some injury problems, and we'll see since he got that sports hernia surgery that we spoke about, if going into 2022 healthy does anything, or if he puts up similar numbers to 2021, we'll see. But my point is, the course Field Effect, and it's yet to be seen if that would take place with Trevor Story, who definitely has more power in his bat than DJ LeMahieu does. Also tends to hit for average and gets on base quite a bit, which a lot of people like, especially the average part. Old school fans really value average. I value average, but I also value a crap ton of other offensive stats. So it's not the end-all be-all with me. I need a lot more than batting average to evaluate a player. I've spoken about that before. But Trevor Story will give you that. He'll give you good offense. And he'll give you really good defense. He's a great defender over there at shortstop he and Correa definitely have an edge over Seager defensively. So with Story, you're getting a really good bat, and you're getting a really good defender. And he's a right-handed hitter, so you wouldn't be getting a lefty, but he is he's a solid player. He really is. Not to mention, and this is one of the most important things for me personally, especially being a Yankee fan and dealing with injuries and all that crap, is that since 2017, of course, this doesn't include 2020. As a matter of fact, it should, because 2020 was what it was, but he still played almost all the games, is that since 2017, he plays the vast majority of the season. He does not have a lot of injury issues. 2017, he played 145 games. 2018, 157. 2019, 145 again. 2020, in a 60 game season, he played 59. And in this past season, he played 142. So he plays a lot of games. He's around. Which is very important to me personally. So that's Trevor's story. You look at Corey Seager now. Corey Seager, solid lefty bat. He'll give you plenty offensively. He's a solid bat to have in that lineup. And again, with the Yankees, most importantly, he's a lefty. But he puts the bat on the ball. Defensively, not great. And of those three, I would say he's the worst. And you saw he made those really bad mistakes in the playoffs too. Not to say he's absolutely horrendous, but he's the worst of those three. He's been in the major league since 2015. He's hit a lot of doubles in his career in that time. He's had over a 300 average a few times, including in 2021. And he's a career 297 hitter. And his on base percentage in his career is 367. It was 394 in 2021, with a 521 slugging and a 915 OPS. And even his career slugging is 504, even though he won't give you that many home runs. This past year, only had 16, even though he only played 95 games, which I'll get to that in a second. And the most home runs he's hit in a year is 26. So despite the short porch in Yankee Stadium, if you're looking for a lot of power out of the shortstop, which isn't really that natural to begin with, it's not really a power position all that much, then you're not really going to get that out of Corey Seager for the most part unless he plays a lot of the year. If he plays most of the year, he'll give you 20 home runs, give or take, 20 to 25. But the thing about that is, like I said before, only 95 games from this past year, and that's been a recurring problem in some seasons is that Corey Seager has injury issues, and that's a thing that Trevor Story does not have. So Corey Seager, who's probably going to be seeking a long-term deal with a lot of money, probably like Trevor Story and Carlos Correa as well, but he's probably the worst defensively of the bunch. And he's had injury issues. Since 2018, in 2018, he played in 26 games. 26. In 2019, he played in 134, by far the most in the last four seasons. 2020, he did play 52 of the 60, so that's not bad. But again, just a 60-game season. And then this past year, he played just 95 games, not even 100 games. So injuries are a concern with him. And for the Yankees, of course, I mean, I wouldn't blame any Yankee fans for feeling this way. I feel this way that's a bit of a red flag, because the Yankees have enough injury problems to worry about. So while I would still love Corey Seager and Pinstripes, because he's still a great player, injuries are a red flag, and of the three, he's the worst defensively, even though he's not bad, but he's just the worst of the bunch, which the Yankees don't need, because if this last season showed us anything amongst the other million things they struggled with, the Yankees need good defenders, as good as they can get. And last but not least, the favorite point of discussion. The one who has people ready to kill each other in all common threads I've seen on social media is Carlos Correa of the Astros. Now, the big thing about him, obviously it doesn't even need to be said, we should acknowledge the elephant in the room, is the cheating scandal from 2017. Now, if you're a longtime listener of Yappin' Yankees, these last two and a half years or so since I started it. You will know that since the scandal came out in the offseason of 2019, that I killed the Astros. Killed them on this show. Killed Carlos Correa for some of his outrageous comments at the time. And I went after them hard like they deserved to. I'm not exempting them of anything. I'm not. And what they did was wrong. But it is getting significantly in the past, nearly a half a decade ago, and We also can't pretend like the Yankees put 100 runs up in Houston that year also in that series. that's Again, that's not to exempt the Astros of anything. I'm not saying that. What they did was wrong, and they should have been more severely punished for it, the players especially. But, I mean, that's just the truth as well. I mean, you could acknowledge that fact as well, that the Yankees were not tearing the cover off the ball exactly in Houston either. And Carlos was a part of that, and people feel very strongly about that. There are only a few Astros left from that 2017 team. Carlos is one of them. It's Correa, Altuve, Bregman, Lance McCullers Jr., I think, was there. And I'm having trouble thinking of anybody else, if anybody else even was there who's still there right now. I mean, you could probably rattle them off. This is just off the top of my head. I'm not even looking at anything, so... But... There's a good chance that there's maybe a name or two escaping me right now, but those are the main ones that are still left, and Carlos is one of them. And Carlos Correa, like the other two, is going to be an unrestricted free agent this winter, probably going to be seeking a monster contract for his services. And at age 27, his services are desirable. Now, if you look at his career numbers, they were way up in 2017, and we know what happened in 2017, of course, but his numbers have still been really good since then. I mean there's some years where his batting average dips. I mean I know again some people don't aver- don't value batting average, but this past year he was batting basically 280, 279, 366 on base percentage. He does get on base a lot. 356 career on base percentage, 485 slugging and an 850 OPS this last year. 481 career slugging and 837 career OPS. He'll give you anywhere from 20 to 30 home runs. He'll bat in a lot of runs. He's had as many as 96 RBIs going back years ago in 2016. Had 92 this past year. He drew 75 walks this year, which tied a career high in 2016. And he doesn't strike out a lot. He does not strike out a lot. He only had 116 strikeouts this year. He puts the bat on the ball. And on top of his offensive numbers... He's a terrific defender with a great arm, and all around, he's a solid player. You could feel how you want about him as a person, and you could feel how you want about him in 2017. But that doesn't change the fact that he's a great on-field talent, even despite everything that happened in 2017 when his numbers were inflated, yes, but it's not like he's had an awful career since then. He's still done amazing things. And whether you like it or not, guys... That can't be ignored or denied, because it's statistically true. And like Trevor's Story, you'd be getting a right-handed bat, because Carlos Correa is a righty. The only lefty in this bunch is Corey Seager, if you care that much about the Yankees acquiring a lefty. And when it comes to the past, when it comes to 2017, I think at least a little part of me will always be upset about that, and the lack of punishment, particularly towards the players. I think I'll always be at least a little upset about that, but... When it comes to the Yankees winning and getting the best, or at least one of the best options out there, which Carlos Correa definitely is on field talent wise, whether you like it or not, I just haven't been letting that scandal dominate my life anymore like I did when it first was discovered, when it first came out in the offseason of 2019. I don't have the same anger about it that I did back then. Time has passed. And as many of us know, time passing usually results in the healing of many wounds. And I don't mean to get all philosophical on you right now here on Yapping Yankees, but what I'm trying to say is that while I, will still, while I still do, and while I always probably will at least harbor a tiny bit of anger about what happened, especially because it directly involved stopping the Yankees on the remarkable 2017 run too, I'm not sure it's enough at this point anymore to stop me from saying that the Yankees should acquire someone like Carlos Correa if they are able to, if it will help the team that significantly, which a guy like Carlos Correa will. I know the history, and I hate the history. But as time passes, that's what it is to me, history. And I'm trying to look forward here. And while each of these three, and even others like Marcus Semyon, they have their pros, they have their great aspects about them, all of them, and they really all have some cons attached to them as well, or potential cons, Carlos Correa, to me, is the best option as far as on-field talent. Now, because I don't want to be a hypocrite, there is one thing that I just realized that I didn't mention with Carlos that I did mention with Corey Seager, so I don't want to be a hypocrite, but. Carlos Correa has had some injury troubles in the past as well. Like in 2017, he played 109 games. 2018, he played 110. 2019, only 75. And in the last couple of years, even though, again, 2020 was shortened, he's silenced those injury critics again. Played 58 of the 60 in 2020. And in 2021, this year, he played 148. So... If you're willing to bet that he stays healthy like he did this past year, then you have the last two seasons to go on, which you can't say about Corey Seager, for instance, who only played 95 games this year. So, I will also acknowledge that in the past, though, that Carlos Correa did have his injury troubles. But all around... While I wouldn't mind any of these three players, please don't misunderstand me, any one of these guys for the right price and for the right amount of years, of course, which all of them are going to want years and money. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But any of these three that the Yankees are to sign, even though I have my guys that I like more than others, I am not going to be upset about any of the three. But if you put a gun to my head and told me to choose... I think I'm choosing Carlos Correa, and I know some Yankee fans who are still extremely angry about 2017, and I get your anger, I do, I know there are going to be a lot of Yankee fans out there who are still very angry about it, they're not going to like me saying that, you might not even like me or respect me as a Yankee fan anymore, I mean, fine, whatever, I know what kind of Yankee fan I am, a damn good one, I don't need you to tell me what kind of Yankee fan I am, but that's just what I think, that's my preference, and that's what I'm going to stick with. That being said, though, I want to mention again, I wouldn't mind if the Yankees signed any of these guys. I like them all a lot. I really like what they have to offer in certain areas, and I think any of them would be a pretty good fit. But I think the biggest difference maker all around would be Carlos Correa. This past week, there's been some heat around Corey Seager, and it sounds like, and I I think especially Jeff Passan was the one that said it. I think he said it on the Michael Kay show. I'm pretty sure there's been a lot of traction behind Corey Seager, and a lot of people are even mentioning like a nine-year deal worth a boatload of money, and I don't know if the Yankees are going to be opening up the checkbook to that degree, or if Corey's going to even be seeking that much, quite that much, and his injuries would have me feeling a bit uneasy about that much of a commitment, but Corey Seager just being in pinstripes in general would not bother me. But that's my take on it, guys. That's my opinion on it. And for the record, I would not mind a Marcus Semien either. I would not mind Marcus Semien at all. After what I saw him do this year, and especially how he and other Blue Jays, like Bo Bichette, for instance, just killed, laid waste to the Yankees this year, I wouldn't much mind having him. And he proved, being on the Blue Jays, the kind of damage he could do against the American League East. And we know how awful the Yankees did against the American League East this year. So I would not mind Marcus Semyon either. Do not get me wrong. This is a tough choice because I wouldn't mind any of these guys. Again, depending on the contract length and money as well, but that's my choice. So let's hear what you have to say. Again, I'll probably read like 15 to 20 people's replies on Twitter, and then I'll read a couple over on Instagram. I want to hear your thoughts on this. This is a tough choice. And again, a lot of you guys were ripping each other's hair out over it, bringing out a lot of passion, Carlos Correa hatred, or Carlos Correa support, people liking Corey Seager. Honestly, not as much mention of Trevor's story as I thought there would be, but there's a lot of mention about Marcus Simeon, too. There's even mention about an Andrelton Simmons, who cannot hit, but is a great defender. And of course, they would like for Marcus Simeon and or Andrelton Simmons to be placeholders if they're waiting on guys like Volpe or Peraza down in the minors for mid to late 2023 and ahead. So let's hear your thoughts. Up first here on Twitter is Tina at MountainGal456, my good friend Tina, and she says, I think Corey Seager would be a perfect fit with this New York Yankees team. With that being said, I wouldn't be upset if they got Carlos Correa. I guess sooner or later, I'll have to get over the whole cheating thing. Not too happy about that, though. Seager first. That's fair. Listen, like I said, Corey Seager has still got many desirable qualities about him as a baseball player, for sure. So I don't have a problem with that. Again, I don't have a problem with any of the three <laughs> when it comes to on-field skill. I really don't. But Carlos Correa would be fantastic, too, on the field-wise. I mean, you want to talk about the cheating and... And the scandal in 2017, that's fine. And everybody has a right to be angry about that. Like I said, I will still always move on throughout my life looking back on that. And I'll still harbor a little bit of anger at least. I will. It's natural to feel that as a Yankee fan. Or any fan of any team that faced the Astros along the way. And that scandal could have had an effect on in their elimination. That scandal ended some people's careers even throughout the regular season. So it is perfectly reasonable to look back on that with anger but to let it dictate the future and what would be best for the Yankees. That's another story. There have been villains that have come to the Yankees in the past that have then become very popular. At RJB5150 says, I'd be happy with a two-year slick-fielding shortstop. Peraza and or Volpe should be ready by mid to end of 2023. Overpaying for someone isn't the answer then trading away assets for undermarket value makes it worse. So it sounds to me you'd be on board for maybe a shorter-term Marcus Semien or maybe an Andrelton Simmons who's just clearly there for his defense, not his offense. And I, I guess I understand. It's very likely the Yankees could go down that path. You never know. They could go down that path. I personally would like for them to go for at least one of these big three guys and or Semien. I don't have a problem with Semien either. I'd rather them get any of those four over someone like Andrelton Simmons, because I'd still like someone that could add something to the lineup, at least. Simmons is not a good hitter. So, I guess I get that. So you're more on waiting for Volpe and Peraza. And Volpe, listen, he's got more promise than most, if not basically all, prospects throughout the game. I mean, everybody who's getting involved in trades with the Yankees, they're looking at and probably asking for Volpe. And he, alongside Jason Dominguez, for instance, are definitely the untouchables as of now. So... If you're not going to get rid of him, then they, they could be waiting on him, and they could be looking to get that stopgap. Who knows? But I get it. I mean, depending on the person and depending on the contract length and money, as I've said, I'm definitely generally not a huge fan of those like monster deals, like 10-year contracts, and those just make me feel uneasy, especially with guys who have injury history. But we'll see what happens. I, I get being skeptical with long-term deals because— A good amount of them for the Yankees in the past have not worked out very well. So next, we have Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. And Rebecca says, I'm saying Correa. I know, I know. The cheating scandal put a bad feeling on his name, but it's time to move past that. He is the best shortstop available. He's young, athletic, and would be a huge upgrade in the Yankees infield and lineup. Get it done, Yankees. Yeah, I mean, you're right. All around, I mean, he's just that great. He adds a lot offensively, and he's a terrific infielder. He's just, he's a great player. Say what you want about the guy with the cheating scandal, as Tina and Rebecca and many others, including myself, have or will acknowledge. But you can't deny what's simply statistical facts on the field, that Correa is a top shortstop in baseball. Next we have Mike Nelson at MD Nelly and Mike says, for those not voting for Correa, just a thought, stop whining about the past. He's way better defensively than Seager and the splits for story are a bit scary. He's the best, but will cost the most. Yeah, listen, I don't blame people for being frustrated about the cheating scandal and whatnot. I don't, I don't blame them. And I myself will always harbor at least a little anger about it, as I've said. But I am myself trying to look to the future and just trying to think of what's best for this Yankees team. And again, while I would love any of these main three guys, I mean, Correa is probably what's best. He really is. I mean, he like I said, he's better, and even Story's better, than Seager defensively. Seager's got his injury troubles. Carlos Correa had that a bit in the past, but he has shut people up the last couple of years with that. And I, I just... I too think that he's probably the best all-around option, again, even though I wouldn't mind any of the three. And I did mention that about Story with the splits, Coors Field, and elsewhere. I did mention that. That is a bit of a concern with anybody coming from the Rockies, especially someone who's been on the Rockies his entire career, like Story has. But yeah, Mike, it's hard to dispute many of those points at all. At Crusaders BBNY says, we're watching him right now, turning double plays with a cannon of an arm. I assume you mean Correa on the Astros, because they're still in. But yeah, I mentioned that before. He's a terrific infielder, and he's got a very strong arm. He's really, really good. And it would really help that dynamic up the middle for the Yankees, especially defensively. And not even mentioning what he would add with the bat. That's just, it's just the truth. Whether you like the guy or not, or whether you want to hold the past against him or not, and I get that. But you can't deny what's fact on the field. <laughs> that's just the way that it is. Up next, we have at Chatter one and they say, give me Semyon, Very underrated, and we would be taking him away from Toronto. Yeah, I mean, all the other points I mentioned about Simeon for sure, yeah, but that's another good point, that you would also be taking him away from a division rival in the Blue Jays that gave you a lot of trouble this year, especially Semyon himself. He killed the Yankees. And anybody, any great player you could take away from a divisional opponent, that's a good thing. So yeah, that's a good point. Next we have Rob at Laker 477, and Rob says, I would really love to have Seager at shortstop. I think he would be a great addition to the team. Yeah, I mean, listen, he may be the worst defensively of the three, but he'll give you a lot offensively. He could bring a really good dynamic to the clubhouse. He's a good young kid. And uh, so he's not a bad option either. None of these guys are bad options. It's just who you would prefer. And I can't blame anybody for wanting Seeger, He's still talented. At Deflex2123 says, In a perfect world, if he took less term three years top, Seeger. Story would be option B. Yeah, I, I see Seeger asking for a lot. I don't know if it's the nine years that has been rumored out there, but I, I don't think he's going to be settling with three years. I think he's going to want more than that. you got to remember, these, these guys are only in their mid to late 20s. They're going to want some years, which does complicate things if you're not a fan of long-term contracts. But well, yeah, with Story, listen, I don't blame you for having Story as option B. I personally wouldn't have Correa that down low. I suppose you're one of those who just really wouldn't want him on the team because of the cheating scandal or what you think he'd do in the clubhouse, maybe. I mean, maybe the Yankee players would be able to get past that and they could have a good relationship with Carlos. Who knows? But I wouldn't personally rate, rate Correa that low if it came down to me having to rate them. But I don't blame you for having Story at option B. Like I said, Story's a great option too. He is. Great defender, great bat. Main concern, as others have mentioned, and even that I mentioned, is what he would do away from Coors Field. At Fan0030 says, Semian. All right, so another vote for Simeon. That's fine. Spencer, at Musician DMD, says, Of the choices, I would go after Correa first. Correa evokes 1999, when many Yankee fans were fiercely opposed to Roger Clemens joining the team. He became one of the most popular Yankees. Correa has the talent and the arrogance to excel in New York. He's a champion, and he's succeeded in New York as an opponent in the biggest games on the biggest stage in front of hostile Yankee Stadium crowds. He's in the prime of his career. Eskewing him would be cutting your nose to spite your face. Those are good points. He has excelled in New York in these big games. I mean, he's a champion. Many would have something to say about that <laughs> because of 2017 i don't even view that as a legitimate title but listen i mean he has succeeded in new york in those big games he loves the big stage he does big things on the big stage and if you had the chance to get him and you turn him away just cuz of the past i mean yeah that that kind of is like you say cutting your nose to spite your face i know people feel strongly about the past and i don't blame them like i said i'll always harbor some feelings myself but I mean, when it comes to winning and looking forward and what's best for the team, especially on the field talent-wise, just strictly like that, it's Carlos Correa, if you ask me. So I hear you, Spencer. Those are good points. And that goes back to what I was saying before. Some villains in the past have become Yankees, and they've become very popular. It has happened before. How many former Red Sox became Yankees? How about Johnny Damon? How many people can stand Johnny Damon came here, won a title here, was vastly popular in New York? I love Johnny Damon. It can happen. And I know none of those guys did what Carlos Correa and the Astros did in 2017. I know. I I know the comparison. I know. You don't have to tell me. But the point is, villains have come to New York and have become popular before. That's the point. So, all right, let's keep going on. Up next will be at JE713, and they say Cashman will trade for a cheaper shortstop and have him compete for the job, saving money to use on Rizzo and eventually Judge. Well, it could be, and there are a lot of other things that Cashman does have to consider. Yes, paying Judge, what's going to happen with Rizzo on the infield, and the infield as a whole is about to get interesting because you have Glaber sliding back to second, and we spoke about all about that. Last week when we were talking about Cashman and everything, really seems the Yankees just see Glaber as the second baseman again. If you get Rizzo back, you have him at first, and depending on the years and the money, that's what that depends on, as does the shortstop, I imagine. You sign one of these guys for shortstop, maybe, or somebody else that nobody's thinking of. And then at third base, since he's not going anywhere, and DJ can't really go back to second with Glaber playing there, you're probably going to put DJ at third. And then Geo's really not going to have any place to go. You could use him as a trade piece if you're not going to have him stay on the bench or just be a backup for when somebody takes a day off or somebody gets hurt. Otherwise, Gio's probably not coming back. You use him in a trade as much as that would suck because I love Gio, but if there's no room in the infield, there's no room in the infield. (laughs) So, I mean, there's a lot to consider here and he does have to consider Rizzo and we heard that Rizzo would love to stay with the Yankees, which I would love to have Rizzo back for the right amount of years and money. You know that already, I've said as much, but he does have that to consider and for the year after, judge. So, there are some things to balance and that could have a play in it. I mean, you're not 100% wrong. We'll see what they do. And don't forget too that the CBA negotiations this winter are going to have to do with that too, where they decide to set the luxury tax thresholds. I've mentioned that too. There are a lot of things at play here. At Yankee Ken says, I believe Cashman will sign Freddie Galvis because he will be cheap. The Yankees have to save all their money for Judge, and will have too much money tied up in deals for Cole, Stanton, and Judge. Yeah, that is a name that kind of flew by me, Freddie Galvis. He is, he is a free agent this winter. I, I mean, they could. I mean, i prefer they go for a bigger name, because, you know, it is the Yankees we're talking about. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it is something to consider, like like the last reply I had, that they do have other guys that are paying a lot of money, and a guy like Judge, who they plan to pay a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, that, that's something to consider. And will that affect who they bring in for shortstop? And what could that mean for a guy like Rizzo, too, in his aspirations to come back? At Laura underscore Naven says, I say Seager. I think he'd be a great addition. He's young with a lot of potential. Story would want too much for an aging player, and I don't like Correa. All right, so one who has their personal feelings with Correa, All right. And Seager, yeah. I mean, listen, all these guys are young. None of them are older than 28. So even saying story aging, I mean, he's not really aging. He's 28 years old. So, But I hear you. I mean, listen, Seager would be a great young option. He does have his positive attributes with him. And I can't blame people for wanting that kind of a bat on the team. I just hope he can be healthy and that he improves defensively. I mean, those are really the main things with him. At Brian Steph is next. And Brian says... I'd be interested in what Marcus Semyon commands compared to Seeger as far as contracts go. Those would be my two choices. All oh, right, yeah, that's fair. I mean, Seeger's probably going to ask for a lot more years than Semyon does because Semyon's older and, you know, Seeger's a few years younger than him. And Seeger's got a lot of upside being the younger one, even though Semyon put up the numbers that he did in 2021. So, yeah, you're probably going to get less years out of Semyon. I would almost bet my whole bank account on that. So. I I, Listen, I don't blame people for wanting Semyon. He's a promising option for as far as what he did this past year. I only hope that he could repeat that because, of course, if that was just a sort of a flash-in-the-pan season, even though he's had good seasons in the past, then that would stink. (laughs) You know, you go in on him after what he did this year, and then he comes back next year. He does little to nothing or just not even nearly as good as he was. Yeah, that would suck. (laughs) At Christian underscore NYYST says... I voted for Correa. My initial pick was Dwayne Johnson, but I feel at his age and the way he's bulked up that he's lost too much range to play the position. (laughs) Uh, All right, Christian. But yeah, in the seriousness, you voted for Correa. I don't blame you. That's that's my choice too. (laughs) Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) Uh, At Jeremy Arroyo says, I'm going to go against the grain here and go Marcus Semien. Here's why. First, he's proven he can hit and hit consistently in the AL East. Second, Yankees can do a short contract with him just enough to let Anthony Volpe get more development work in. This will only work if the Yankees don't use Volpe as a trade piece. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, you you could get Semien on a shorter deal if you're one to wait on Volpe and then have Volpe kick in in the middle to the end of 2023 or even 2024. Because the people who commented on this saying, yeah, just Volpe or Peraza for 2022, they're not going to be ready this coming year. They're not going to be ready until at least 2023. That's been confirmed by the Yankees already for a long time. So the question is 2022 shortstop. And those two are not going to be ready by 2022. So for those who commented just Volpe or just Peraza, you got to pay attention a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, listen, I hear that. I mean, Semyon would be a solid placeholder. You could probably get him for less years than Seeger and the others. So yeah, I hear you there. I do, and a lot of other people feel the same way, evidently. At Laura underscore Isemont says, My first thought was always Corey Seager. His lefty bat would be perfect for Yankee Stadium. However, if we signed Carlos Correa, I wouldn't be upset. We got to vocalize our displeasures on the cheating scandal this season, and it's time to move on. His defensive skills are amazing. Yeah, I I mentioned that, being a lefty bat in Yankee Stadium, that'd be big for Seager, but listen, Correa brings what he brings, whether you like it or not. That's just the truth. And I agree with you saying, you know, everybody got to vocalize, they probably will continue to vocalize, especially against someone like Jose Altuve. (laughs) We all know the famous F. Altuve chants. But, you know, for some people it's time to move on, or at least just not really let the past dictate the future when it comes to who would help the Yankees win the most. And for a lot of people, including myself... Carlos Correa could very well be the best one. And yes, defense is amazing. It is. It's just fact. At Michael underscore charge says Carlos Correa. All right. There's been plenty of that. At C Hobbler ATC says Andrew Velasquez until young shortstops are ready. Yankees went on a winning streak with him in the lineup and he plays great defense and is an excellent base runner. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm one of those guys that while I believe Andrew Velasquez, and you remember me saying it in the season, I'm not going to deny it, Andrew Velasquez was a fantastic story for a while there. But then towards the end, I think we got to see what he really was. And I certainly don't think he's a valid placeholder until the middle of 2023 at least. So I, I, I can't I can't agree with that. The Yankees need better than that. They need better than that. They're currently in a winning window right now. And they can't afford to settle with someone like Andrew Velasquez. I'm not saying the guy's a terrible baseball player. But he's no solution right now. The Yankees need better. The Yankees may have done well with him in the lineup alongside many others, just with their new way of playing baseball at the time, too, with stealing bases and bunting more and, and doing all that crap. I get it. I Listen, and that's valid. But there were a lot of other guys that had to do with that, too, not just Velasquez. And then Velasquez really came down to earth after that. So... The Yankees need better than that. I'm not settling for that until the middle of 2020, freaking three. <laughs> so, while I do like Andrew Velasquez, I don't think he's as great as people play him up to be. And he's definitely no solution as of now. They need better than that. At K Schultz, NCNH says, One of the kids, spend the money on Judge and first base. Well, you're not going to have to spend money on Judge until next offseason. And first base, fine. You know, that's whatever. But one of the kids, I mean, who? If you're talking about Volpe or Peraza, then you're not seeing them again until at least the middle of 2023. So which one? <laughs> That's my question. If you're going to say something like that, then which ones? All right, let's just do a couple of more and then we'll read a couple over on Instagram before we end here. At Jason Flaum is up next and Jason says, Marcus Semyon shorter-term deal than the other three, which allows flexibility later when Peraza and or Volpe are ready. Yeah, I mentioned that. That's what Simeon would probably bring. And if you want that, then fine. That's fine. I mean, Volpe and Peraza are not guaranteed to be terrific major league talent. I mean, they haven't come up yet, so you don't know. That's just the truth. They could very well be, and I'm not doubting the amazing things we've heard and seen from Volpe down in the minors. I'm not doubting any of that but they're not a sure thing. And a lot of people would just like the Yankees to go out there and spend and bring a sure thing here, a proven Major League talent. But you could do a mix of that with bringing over Marcus Semien, a proven Major League talent, and then he would bridge to later with Volpe and or Peraza. So, listen, it's not a ridiculous thing to say. I personally would rather them get one of the big three, but I don't think bringing Marcus Semien over would be the worst thing in the world either. I think there are worse things they can do here. Much worse things. But let's see what a couple of other people have to say. At Yanks Galaxy 28 says, I would not mind seeing any of them in pinstripes. Better than the status quo. Yeah. (laughs) And the status quo right now is that there's nobody. (laughs) Because Glaber's sliding back over to second base. So they need a shortstop. And you're right. Any of those three are great talents in their own rights. At Original UYF1950 says, In order, Seager, Story, and Baez. So Seager, Story, Baez, in order. I don't see Baez coming. I I just don't see that. So Seager and Story. Rather them over Correa. All right. So that's the order with that, I guess. No Correa at all. Okay. I don't really agree with that, but everybody's entitled to their own opinion. (laughs) All right, and last but not least here on Twitter, I read a bunch of replies here on Twitter today. I might not even apologize for not getting to all of you. (laughs) All right, lastly on Twitter, we've got at LeBroy61, and they say, Trevor's Story will be looking to increase his value, so look forward to an improved year in 2022. With some good shortstop prospects coming through, we only need a short-term solution. Well, yeah, listen, Story did—he didn't have an awful season in 2021, but he did have a down year. He did have a down year. But that doesn't change all of his great prior seasons, in my opinion, to me, at least. But, I mean, I don't know. I still think he's going to be seeking some good money. I mean, yeah, he definitely has to improve in 2022, but he's a free agent now. So maybe the fact that he had a down-ish year in 2021, maybe you could—maybe get him to commit to a lesser deal. Maybe? Maybe. But the league already knows what he's capable of because he has plenty of respectable seasons prior to this one. So if he could be a short-term solution in a bridge towards Volpen Peraza, maybe that would work in a similar sense as Marcus Semyon would. But I still see Story getting more of a commitment than Marcus Semyon as far as years. So I don't know. I don't know if one season, one bad season by Story is going to have teams just saying, oh, we're not going to give you anything. I think they still know the guy's worth despite maybe having still some concerns about the splits at and away from Coors Field, but only time will tell. For the record, I do see Story being the least likely. Realistically. But I could be wrong. We'll just have to wait and see. But in any event, that is all for the Twitter replies, guys. I think I read well over 20. I mean, I really did my best there. So I do apologize still, even though I said I probably wouldn't, but I still always will, because I love each and every one of you, and I wish I could get to every single one of you, But I just can't. There are just too many of you, okay? Too many passionate listeners and Yankee fans. What can I tell you? (laughs) But thank you to each and every one of you, regardless, for all of your interactions, as always, every single week with the social media segment, especially on Twitter, where it's very popular. But let's head on over to Instagram, see the same exact question, and hear what a couple of you had to say on there. Same question. Who do you want to see as the Yankee shortstop in 2022? Only thing is here, again, I couldn't do a full-on poll with four separate choices because InstaStory polls only allow for two choices, so I left it as sort of an open response. Basically asking, out of Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, or any other shortstop, who do you want to see as the 2022 shortstop? First up here on Instagram, we've got Official52.011, and they say, it's time to move past the Astros cheating scandal. Correa gives us a good defensive shortstop and a good contact shortstop. Yeah, like I said, listen, I mean, he's, he's going to put the bat on the ball. Great defense. I mean, these things aren't debatable. And if you're ready to move past it like some others are, then that's good. Then you could fully be on the Correa train, I guess. And the final two, as always, before we end, first up is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And she says, Correa is the best defensive shortstop out there. I think that bringing him on would give our lineup and infield the kind of boost that they need right now. We need the best in order to be the best. Yeah, and in a lot of people's opinions, including my own, I think he's the best of the bunch. And a lot of other people agree too, especially the ones who are willing to move past what happened years ago. So, yeah, I agree, Vic. It's tough to dispute that. And last but not least, we have my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, before we end here. And she says, I only really know of Carlos Correa, so I can't really elaborate too much more on this question. I've seen Correa in action a lot more, and I usually always like what I see on the field. But I can say this, I miss Derek Jeter, and I kind of miss D.D. too. Let's hope they get Correa, add another great player to this team, which he would be, but without fixing problems elsewhere too, it'll change little. Look at the roster that we had heading into 2021 and look at how it ended anyway. Yeah, listen, I mean, especially mostly watching the Yankees and a lot of American League teams more, Mom, I I totally get why Carlos Correa is the one you're most knowledgeable on. And if you see him play, then you see what he's capable of on the field. He's a great player. And listen, when it comes to missing guys like Derek Jeter, you don't have to tell me that. Guy's my favorite baseball player of all time. I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Correa... If you add him or anybody with the talent like him, it might not fix everything. The Yankees still need to improve in other areas, all of which we will hit on week by week, as I said, but I mean, he would definitely help fix a lot at shortstop. He really, really would. So at least on Instagram, it seems like we got a lot of Correa support, got some Correa criticism and support over on Twitter. And people are split on this. I mean, especially you saw on Twitter with Correa earning 38% of the vote, Seeger earning 37 and just a lot of other opinions flying around about Marcus Semyon. Got a lot of Marcus Semyon support out there. A lot of varying opinions on this, guys. And especially given the past with Correa, there's a lot of passion involved in this. And that usually always leads to even better discussion, which we definitely had on this episode That is now coming to an end, but again before it does, thank you to each and every one of you who interacted with this social media segment this week. As you do every week, I appreciate and love each and every one of you more than I could possibly ever dream to put into words. But with that being said, my friends, that is all for this exciting shortstop discussion filled 118th episode of Yapping Yankees Today. But before I bid you farewell until next Sunday, just remember to follow me on all social medias, guys, at Mike Scudero NY on Facebook, at Mike Scudero on Twitter, and at MikeScuds97 on Instagram. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening there. Leave a review on all others. And if you have the time... Listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 118 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. Once again, as always, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, November 7th, when I come at you with episode 119 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and enjoy the last bit of baseball over the course of this next week, whether it ends tonight here on Sunday with Game 5, on Tuesday with Game 6, Or even if necessary, on Wednesday with Game 7. Let's keep on enjoying 2021 baseball while we can. And I'll be coming right back at you with another episode next Sunday. Enjoy your week, my friends. Take care.